This is Digging in the Dirt with Kevin Gallagher, where Kevin and his guests dig a little deeper into today's issues surrounding the environment, farming, gardening, and food. My guest here today on Digging in the Dirt is Vincent Kay, a lifelong resident of Connecticut. I came to know about Vincent through a couple of my listeners, Jim and Ann, who turned me on to black garlic, and they, like me, are grow-your-own-garlic enthusiasts. So I needed some garlic seed for this season, and they recommended Vincent as a source, who happens to be one of Connecticut's top garlic growers. So I contacted him to buy seed and come to find out that he worked for Pacific Network News as well as NPR. And in the small world category, it turns out Vincent served as news director at WPKN from 1996 to 1998. But now, after 38 years, he operates the state's largest commercial beekeeping business and is the sole proprietor of Swords into Plowshares Honey, producing Connecticut's finest wildflower honey and providing crop and orchard pollination. And in addition to all this, he grows a whole lot of garlic. Hey, welcome, Vincent. Well, that's quite an introduction. Thank you so much. And uh, it's always good to, to talk to uh, listeners on WPKN. It's, it's a diverse group, and, and I love it. And, and what wonderful to follow, and what wonderful jazz you had this afternoon. That was just great. So thank, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Well, you know, I'm totally interested in garlic. I want more people to grow their own garlic because I find it so incredible. Not to take any business away from you, but I'm gonna, we're going to tap into your knowledge here this afternoon. Well, it's um, we grow a, a chunk of garlic. I'm not sure we grow uh, the most um, out of everyone around, but we we grow about thirty-five to forty thousand head of garlic, and um, it's it, it's a sizable number of, of cloves to handle, <laughs> because of course you're planting um, this year's harvested cloves as, as seed for next year. Sure. So that's actually what will become the new bulb. Where do you we sell it? Plant we sell it um, to a number of, of stores uh, and CSA, community-supported agriculture uh, programs that certain stores have uh, and farms. So a good chunk as seed to other garlic growers as well. So that, that's, it, it, it disappears one way or another. We don't have any. <laughs> in about uh, another uh, month and a half, we won't have a clove in our, <laughs> to our names. Yeah, I saw that in your posting that you were, you're starting to plant yours. Um, what kinds are you planting? Like, uh, I think you just told me chestnut red. So that's what I plant. Yeah, this year. The chestnut red is a great garlic and it's probably one of the best garlics. It's got a, it's very sweet. It's beautiful for the black garlic market. Uh, no pun intended on that. It's uh, the fermented garlic market, I should say. Right. It's called black garlic. But in any event, um, we're not replanting that this year. Um, one of the problems with chestnut is that you get multiple cloves, which is wonderful. But you only get maybe per head, even though it's a large head of garlic with many cloves, you probably only get uh, four to five, maybe at the most six plantable seed garlics for the next following year. So we feel that um, for our money and our work, um, we want to plant stuff that, that's going to produce a consistent size clove throughout the whole bulb. And uh, people... You know, they shop with their eyes as well as their, their wallets. Sure. And, um, they like that big German they, white, right? <laughs> well, that's that's all right. So we are planting German white. We're planting uh, Romanian red and a garlic called Music, uh, named after Albert Music, a Canadian garlic grower um, who imported the, the garlic from Italy a number of decades ago. But in any event, uh, so we're not on the edge of planting quite yet. We're on 
really right now we're involved in soil preparation, which is really 90% of, of the battle. Of course, you know, we're, we're, we just finished rototilling for the first time since harvesting garlic. We let the land sit after harvesting, let it soak in all the nitrogen from the weeds and, and all the, the stuff that grows up after harvest because we don't do a heck of a lot to it. Well, sometimes we mow it to keep it under control a little bit. But then, um, you know, about this time of year, we, we rototill it for the first time. We don't use heavy machinery. We have a beautiful BCS rototiller, which we love. It's an Italian rototiller, and it's really the Cadillac of rototillers. So we're <laughs> so proud of it. And it's, it really cuts the ground and goes through just about anything. And um, so we're very happy with how it works, the, the ground. And the last time I checked, rocks don't have any nutritional value. So we try to get most of the rocks out of the soil. And, of course, they keep coming up every, you know, spring with the frost heaves. But for the most part, um, the soil is is um, is more like a soil medium. Uh, it really doesn't have many rocks left in it, which is great. Cool. So it allows, it allows the garlic to grow to its full potential. It doesn't crowd the garlic in the row. It, the, the soil doesn't become... Um, too packed or, or it, the garlic has its ability to, to, to soak up nutrients a little bit better and to um, reach its uh, full size. So let's try talking to that uh, first time person out there. Uh, let's go through the process. So what's the first thing you're going to recommend to somebody? Let's say, that, let's call it a six by six little plot that they're going to grow. You can grow small patches of garlic, but the thing is, the first thing that we always do is look at the, the sun and the right. exposure of the sun, because you really do want location, location, location is everything. Right. So you want a good exposure to sun all day long. Garlic, um, like any allium, thrives on sun. It loves it. Yes, it needs to be well-drained soil, but the location of the plot is is crucial. So most, most of our garlic has um, full sun. There's a little bit of shadow in one of the fields because the hill is so steep. Um, we almost have to terrace it at this point. It's, they all receive full sun, uh, you know, and uh, we make sure of that. And the other thing you want to do in, in kind of you know, getting the soil ready is to, to try to get all the weeds out if, uh, before you start rototilling and try to prepare the soil um, that way with composted material. Years ago when I first started growing garlic, I mean, as as you described in the introduction, I'm a beekeeper and I've been for quite some time and um, we love it. But I was looking for something else to do uh, in the soil, in the dirt. And um, I've always had gardens and, you know, my father and my family have always had gardens and little farm stands growing up as kids. And I wanted a, a, a product or something to grow that was inherently by its nature organic and uh, garlic loves organic material. It loves compost. It loves all of the nutrients that are in compost. It, you know, you can put uh, manure from chickens or, or whatever critters you might have into compost, but you don't want to use, obviously, raw manure. You want to let it break down. And then um, all of those nutrients and um, uh, bacterias and funguses and molds, all of that stuff is there, and garlic thrives on it. It's just... Uh, so those kinds of soil preps um, really should be taken into to consideration before you actually plant. The pH is important. You don't want to have soil that's too acidic. So you what, don't want to what put pH? A bunch of well, I'm not sure on the actual number. I, I, I wouldn't want to be quoted on that, but you certainly don't want to compost with oak leaves. 
You don't want the tannins and the acids, the leachates from oak leaves uh, to dominate your soil. Um, in other words, compost should be kind of inert uh, when it's applied to the soil. It shouldn't be still composting because then it's going to take the nitrogen out of the soil. Mm-hmm. That's the fertilizer to make the, the, the fire, which breaks down organic material. It should have already done that, gone through that process, and it should be ready to now receive nitrogen. And that's how, what you want. And uh, so you put that in, you mix it into your soil as a beginner. If you have a compost pile, let it, let it uh, decompose and you know, then uh, apply it. And you might want to apply it in uh, early September while there's still some heat and some rain, hopefully. And uh, mix it in and let it, let it get, get, uh, get ready. You know, get, get really good into the soil that you're going to be planting in. And so then you can add uh, fertilizers. We, we do add fertilizers to the garlic. We add organic fertilizers. Um, you don't want a flash fertilizer, however. You don't want something like 10-10-10 or anything with a number that's commercially manufactured. It's, I mean, you can do it, and we've tried it, but it's, um, you end up killing a lot of microorganisms in the soil, and it, it tends to flash the nutrients. Uh, and garlic, again, takes in nutrients quite slowly. And uh, so you want something that's a slow-release fertilizer, something like feather meal. Sometimes we use blood meal. And that's it's just what I different use, yeah. Will, will decompose slowly over a period of time. And the other thing is we plant um, here in New England, or at least we plant, um, swords in the plowshares, honey, we plant um, a hard or stiff neck garlics, um, which are mostly from Northern Europe and Eastern Europe, um, but cold weather climates. Um, and so those garlics do the best here in New England. And, uh, we're planting in the fall, um, late fall, uh, just before a cold snap. And um, so what you want to do is not have too much fertilizer going into the f- winter because it's not going to be used. Uh, you want the roots to grow down, but you certainly don't want the plant to grow up above the soil. Right. So what we try to do is time it just right. We never really get it just right, but anyhow, <laughs> we, we try every year. Yeah. So we, we put it in. We haven't started yet, but we'll probably go with something toward the end of October. And uh, uh, we have a crew lined up, and we're ready to go. Hopefully the weather cooperates. We don't get too much rain and can't plant in the mud. Uh, that doesn't work. Any other uh, amendments you use? In the soil itself, no. We cover it over, and then we try to wait for a good hard freeze, if it's possible. And then we put uh, mulch down, which is usually straw. And that straw holds the cold into the ground uh, so that the garlic won't sprout too early. Um, so we, we try to keep it cold all winter long to avoid the frost heaves uh, back and forth. Connecticut's uh, climate is, is brutal in some ways for growing things like this. And it's, um, the plants, if they do come up, they do get damaged um, in the cold freezes uh, in February and early March. So you want to kind of really mulch it well actually try to prevent it from coming up at all until about the end of February. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, do you use cover crop? I found some success with cover crop over the winter uh, last year, and then I planted in this spot after I got rid of the cover crop. We have in the past used um, things like clover, and uh, we've used uh, vetch, and we've used buckwheat uh, as cover crops to try to add uh, a little bit of nitrogen to the soil. Um, also to keep erosion from happening. 
uh, during the winter. Mm-hmm. But uh, in some ways, it's it it can be harder to work with soil, um, and it competes with the garlic as far as uh, nitrogen. Yes, clover, of course, will bind nitrogen in its root systems, but at the same time, we, we don't want it competing with the garlic, and, and clover can get going and, and spread like crazy, sure. which is good. Mm-hmm. It could be good. And, um, but we, we've used it in the past. Um, I like buckwheat because once the frost or freeze hits it, it's kind of dead, and it will, of course, have seeds for next year, but it, it, it's pretty controllable as, a, as something to rototill into the soil as an amendment but we have used cover crops in some ways that's what our weeds are <laughs> after we pull the garlic <laughs> the weeds become our cover crop and uh, it's like well we're mowing the weeds like oh it almost looks like a, a a baseball field after a while it's so green and lush so you know it breaks up easily with the rototillers and uh you know it's great so it's uh it does its job as well. It's funny you say that because one of my guests told me one time that uh, a bare patch in your garden or your farm is a, a wound on the earth, and the weeds come in to scab it over. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> true. It's true. It doesn't take long either. No, it doesn't take uh, long. Weeds and, are prolific. And you know, even with the even with the straw mulch, um, one of our biggest jobs between I'd say when the garlic reaches six inches to maybe a foot is to keep the weeds out. After it gets to be a foot, 18 inches high, the leaves of the garlic plant, we tend not to weed because we end up damaging the plant by, you know, bending over and bending it. and They break sometimes. Sometimes they're very brittle, the leaves. So we tend to kind of try to keep up with the weeds, but then at some point we let it go mm-hmm. and we just uh, uh, we'll pull the very big weeds uh, out of it just before harvest so that we can find the garlic, <laughs> the rows of garlic, because sometimes it gets swallowed up. But, sure. you know, it's amazing. Those um, those weeds pro- uh, also provide, you know, uh, shade and the heat. This year we had a terrible, terrible drought, and um, it was just, you know, at the end of the year, you know, they'll all say, well, it's an average year in moisture and this and that. But we didn't have the rain when we needed it, as you know, as a grower and a, a gardener. But it just, um, at least here in Connecticut, it was just kind of brutal. And we got the garlic uh, uh, out of the ground um, just at the nick of time. Most of the soil in the ground that we plant in has a fair amount of clay in it. And so what happens when that the ground gets dry is it locks up like cement. And it just gets harder and harder. And you can, by machine or shovel, if, you, if your ankle holds up or your foot, uh, get it out of the ground. But um, we just like to pull it, and the ground is usually so soft and beautiful as far as the texture that it works quite well. But we timed it just right this year. Uh, it was about July 4th weekend. We were almost done pulling the garlic, and after that, it just got brutally um, dry. And I know other growers had a real hard time harvesting garlic. I have a question about that in a second, but first I want everybody to know where this is Digging in the Dirt and we're talking to Vincent Kay, who is the farmer, owner of Swords into Plowshares Honey. He is a, he's a beekeeper and he grows a lot of garlic and that's why I'm here talking to him. This is the time of season, just like you're planting your daffodils or any other kind of bulbs, this is the time to plant garlic as he said, and when you get a little closer to some really cold weather, because they will pop up right through the mulch that you have, that's for sure, if you if you plant too early. Speaking of planting, what's the recommendation on spacing and depth? Yeah, um, we. it's funny, we were in a hardware store today. Um, I will come back to this, but we, today we were um, putting up 
uh, snow fencing around one of the garland fields, not for the snow, um, but for the deer that trampled oh, the garland. Oh, my Lord, yeah. We have, like, a major, all of a sudden, a major herd of deer have been walking over one field, and I'm like, ah, this is not going to be good. So we were um, um, put up a snow fence to kind of, like, hopefully guide the deer off to the to the side and around the garlic, but we'll see what happens. I but hate to tell you, they, they levitate, Vincent. <laughs> yeah, I know they do. And but we'll, sometimes you can just guide them to the next patch of lettuce somewhere or whatever they want. Yeah. But if they don't want, they don't eat or damage the garlic other than they trample on it. Yeah. But anyhow, we were in the hardware store buying the snow fencing and I bought a, a new hoe, um, which I do usually every year to just celebrate the, the planting season. But um, usually we have a, a hoe that, has a forked end on one side, and it kind of um, breaks the soil apart and digs down pretty deep. And each row is like a trench. And we go down maybe four to five inches with this, the hoe, and then the crew uh, plants the garlic, um, usually by pushing the clove, of course, root side down or plantlet side down into the soil, another good inch because the soil is so soft. And uh, so you're ending up, you know, five to six inches down by the time you're done with it. Covering it, you probably lose another inch. Um, so you figure the average maybe four to five inches um, in a trench. It covered, tamp it down with a rake. The spacing between the garlic cloves is about uh, six to eight inches. We like eight inches better. It gives the garlic, uh, again, a chance to reach full size by not competing with, with the clove next, next to it. Yeah. yeah. And then, So eight inches is good. And then between the rows, it's kind of like, well, whatever you feel you can do as far as walking there to weed and to harvest. So whatever, you know, a person's width is, I would say, you know, they're probably, you know, anywhere from 14 to 18 inches between the rows. Well, um, you know, I, I have limited space in my backyard in suburbia, so I squeeze yep. them a little more and it's worked out fine. Last year's crop was just spectacularly big heads and I enjoyed it. So you can't nice. get away with cheating a little bit, uh, folks, if you want. Okay. Okay. And one other thing I wanted to mention, Vincent, that one tool I bought that is off the charts great, and that's a garden drill. It's like It looks like a drill bit, but it's huge. And you put it into your okay. drill and I, I can plant I plant bulbs and anything in Toot Sweet. You just drill down and it makes a nice six-inch hole, you know, and I, it's incredible, and it just moves very fast. So check it out if you're... Like a great device for planting uh, daffodils and tulips. You oh, know? it is. It's it's remarkable. They sell them in a kit of three, so you can get like a four-inch drill, you know, width. It's huge. I, I never used that one, but the one in between, the medium size, which is about two inches... Uh-huh. That makes incredibly great holes very quickly. So I just want to pass that tip along that I found something good for people to use. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. We, we just use a basket with the cloves and we drag it along and, and poke them in, poke them in, poke them in. Yep. And the other, we have a crew of uh, four people. One, myself, makes the trench out of the row and hopefully straight, <laughs> some years straighter than others. But it's, um, uh, and then the crew comes in, two guys planting the cloves and they hop scotch over each other they'll do you know sections of 10 20 feet and then move on kind of uh that way mm-hmm. uh down the row and then we have a fourth guy with a rake covering uh the row and tamping it down and so it works pretty good and we have a rule that you don't walk back and forth across the field so as you reach the end of the field you exit and then you walk around so that the soil stays as soft as possible very good That's um, a at good that idea. point it, 
yeah, it's very important uh, to not run heavy machinery or trample it to the point where you can't make a, a row with the hoe. And so that's, it's kind of primitive. It's basic. It's, um, again, um, the simpler, the better sometimes yeah, with garlic. Um, absolutely. Uh, th- things have gotten very expensive as far as fertilizers and whatnot. If you can find them at all, you've got to know a guy who knows a guy that you can really trust or, you know, a person, not just a guy, but I mean, uh, you know, a company or whatever it may be that, that is selling you the fertilizer that it gets there um, when you need it and undamaged um, and uh, in good shape and uh, so far and so forth. So, you know, it's, it's you, know, you, you pay a premium price for some of these fertilizers like the feather meal and dried blood. It's just um, mm-hmm. it's wonderful. It's organic. It's uh, great for the soil. The garlic loves it. But first of all, try to find it and then then try to pay for it. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, we're talking about quantities of a ton and more um, just for planting, you know, because we do put a little bit of fertilizer. This is a trick you might. Uh, we put a little fertilizer in the trench as we're planting the, the cloves. And then in the spring, usually sometime in the beginning of April, when it's eh, four to when there's the rows are clearly visible. Um, you know, and so the plants are maybe four inches high, five inches high. We side dress uh, the garlic with the same fertilizer. So we're applying it on the straw uh, above above the surface. And, and that will take a good month to, to work down into where the roots are. And again, it's a slow release and it's a slow application. But the garlic loves it and it drinks it up like crazy. So it, yeah. it's a well, You answered thing. one of my questions, you know, how do you feed during the season? All right, so let's jump to July or, you know, the, you know um, early August when the plants are getting really tall now. They're starting to get what they call scapes, right? And the, Well, the, that happens here for us in June, mm-hmm. usually the beginning of June. Now, the garlic, as it's growing, um, if you were to pull one out, there is a market that we've somehow sometimes participate in. And we call it the impatient green garlic market. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's the people who can't wait for their garlic. I want it have now. to have it. And they don't even want the bulb to grow. So they just want the garlic now. Oh, like and a so green onion in a way, right? It looks like a scallion, a yeah. big fat scallion. But it hasn't bulbed out. And the, the garlic that we plant, the hard neck garlics, do most of their sizing, as we call it. Um, they're bulbing out to go from the scallion shape to the actual garlic bulb, they do that in about three weeks. It's quite incredible. But, um, yes, the first step in that is the beginning of June or so, depending on the weather. Um, but it's pretty close every year, within a week, um, the scapes appear. Now, the scape is the garlic's flower. And it puts up this curly Q pigtail of a scallion-like uh, at the tip of its uh, plant, and it curls over. And if you snap that off, it's not really like a flower. It looks like a, a, a pod of sorts. Right. And if you were to take it apart, that pod has the most beautiful, wonderful little grains of garlic cloves. Right. So what, what you've done is by planting cloves of garlic that are big in size, you've probably cut down the time like by 10 generations or 10 years, the sizing of those little little cloves, which are like little pieces of sand. and um, But if you were to consecutively plant those, they would get bigger and bigger and bigger, and then you'd have the bigger cloves. Huh. But it would take Did a number of that. years to, yeah, for that to happen. So what we do is um, trick the plant by snapping the scapes. And um, 
we actually sell the scapes to markets and restaurants. Um, they're highly desired and sought after at that time of year. This year, I think we did about 250 pounds of scapes. But what happens is the plant um, redirects its energy from that seeding process to a bulbing process underground. And so it makes it forces the plant to, to grow the bulb larger. And so um, after you snap the scape, it's about, oh, two weeks to three weeks later before, and then we, we start to harvest or think about harvesting. When do you know to harvest? Pardon? When do you know to harvest? I've heard some people say after you see three uh, brown leaves. What you, what's your, yeah, what's as your the, rule? As the top, yeah, that's right. As a, about the top of the plant starts to die back or turn brown, and you don't want the plant to get too decayed or brown because if you're going to pull it by hand, you don't want the stalk or the you know, the plant to snap off, and then you're going to have to dig them out, and you're going to have a sore foot if you have a lot of garlic. So you, you don't want to do that. But if you if you just kind of let some of the outer leaves die back and the base of the stalk seems good and firm and pullable, something that you can tug on and it's not going to snap, then you're in good shape. The other trick we've learned is don't try to pull your garlic in the moist early morning dew or if it's rain. The stalks or the canes on the stalks are a lot stronger for pulling garlic in the afternoon or when they've dried out. Hmm. Um, they're, they're just, it's an amazing, I mean, we have almost no snap-offs uh, once the canes are dry. But when they're wet, which is in the morning, it's, it can be a real problem, and it's, it's very frustrating. Sure. So now let's talk about harvesting. I mean, when you harvest them, they're, they're pretty dirty. What do you do? You just let, let it be and then brush it off later, or do you rinse them a little bit and then dry them? And no, how do you store no, them? No, we don't. We never, never add water. It's a funny story I'll tell you about. But anyhow, the um, the garlic comes out of the ground, and it depends on the weather and the, and the moisture content. If it's rained the night before and or the day or two days before, you know, the soil can still be very damp. So they come out of the ground sort of dirty. What we do is when we pull them, we tap them on the palm of our hand, and that clunks off um, some of the dirt. We run our hand over the root system. That knocks off some dirt, and we pile them or windrow them on top of the ground um, with a clunk. You know, we, we kind of like almost do it on purpose, to, not to bruise the garlic, but to clunk some of the dirt off. Right. And um, we let them stay there until we get to the end of the row. And then the more you handle it, the more the dirt comes off. So by the time you, you put it in baskets and the truck is there and, uh, you know, people have handled it two or three times to get it on the truck, a lot of the dirt is off. It's in the baskets. It, it's it's pretty clean, but it's not always that clean. We then don't leave it in the sun. That's a big mistake. But we, we take the garlic as, as quickly as we can to a greenhouse, which is where we dry it. And we cut off most of the leaves immediately in the field because we don't have the drying facilities um, for hanging the garlic. Some people hang garlic. We've learned a great method of drying garlic if you have a greenhouse. We experimented with some of the Yale greenhouses years ago. Uh, and we were able to come up with this system, and it is this. You, we have a 65% shade net over the greenhouse with a fan that runs nonstop 24-7 for four months. So we're harvesting in July. We put it, we cut the, the stalk. Uh, I would, we call it a handle, but I would say anywhere from 6 to 10-inch handle. So you have most of the stalk, but the leaves are gone. And that has most of the moisture in it 
which can cause um, molds, mildews, and damage to the cloves um, in the drying process. So we get rid of that, and we bring it, we put it on water benches in the greenhouse with the fan running, and the shade net uh, or cloth that covers, it's a, it's a black cloth. It, you think, oh, my God, you're going to bake it. But no, it actually cuts off the um, UV rays and uh, keeps it from burning. If you didn't have that, it would burn uh, or, or cook, actually. So we do that, and that's um, and we leave it. We're still in the greenhouse as I'm speaking with you. It's a fan that's running on still. Sure. And um, so it's a fantastic um, system. The main thing is not to have dead air because um, I would say probably the garlic is dried or cured, as we call it, um, after a week or two. But the, the, the kick is if you have humid summer and all that moisture and, and there's no circulation of air, oh, my God, it can rot so quickly. And it just uh, it's, a, it's a crying shame to, to lose a crop. And I've done it. And it's it's not something I ever want to repeat. Yeah, I've done <laughs> it, too. And I, and I find now hanging it. I hang it underneath uh, my porch hanging, you know, and it's, uh, it's pretty good. I clump five or six together and hang. I do about 125 a year. So, you know, and and, as long as there's a circulation and you don't clump up too many, yeah. probably yeah. You crowd your, your drying uh, area then you're, you're, you're doing fine. Yeah. You know, um, that's the way to do it, folks, if you don't have a greenhouse and a big fan. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, you could do it with a floor fan. You could, we've tried a lot of methods before, you know, we, we have a, a system now, and we don't own the greenhouse. We rent it, and it's uh, worked out, and people are very generous to us. Nice. So we we pay, pay our way for the electricity and the use of it, and it's um, it's worked out very well as a system. You know, people think back to the – what Connecticut grew commercially most, which was tobacco, and the horrible drying conditions along the Connecticut River in August. Well, those big barns up there on the river were fantastic for hanging the tobacco to dry, but they also had furnaces inside those buildings right. or those barns to create heat. And that's what actually dried and kept things from going to mold. Hmm. And, uh, so yeah, most of it was coal, but there were some wood-fired furnaces also. And um, but that's how the drying really happened. It was with heat and with uh, circulation. So yeah. Well, Vincent Kay, it's been nice picking your brain here this afternoon on garlic. You know, it's I think we all learned something from you, and I really appreciate you coming on. I was going to get to honey, but that's not going to happen this session. We'll have to do a, another one and talk about the swords into plowshares honey and uh, find out more about that. There's, that's that's another half hour. Well, thank you so much, and I could talk your ear off about garlic and honey, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun, and thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, not at all. We'll get back with you again. Thanks for coming on. Okay, Kevin. Thank you. Yeah, bye-bye. You've been listening to Digging in the Dirt with Kevin Gallagher. 